Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Welcome back to the Hebrew Congregation of Houston, episode 156, 156. We welcome you all. We thank you. We thank the Daniels family last week. They were the hostess for the most is. Uh, they're on the road today. So we pray for traveling mercy. We pray for all uh, the ministers, preachers, teachers, uh, everyone that's not present today. And uh, we thank you all for being here. And so I'm going to be really quick um, with my Easter, keeping it real today. And my topic is going to be uh, femininity versus womanhood. And so um, Judge uh, Tolliver, Lynn Tolliver from the divorce court, I kind of follow her. Uh, she's one of the people I follow. And her husband dropped dead, if you don't know. He dropped dead uh, two days before Christmas last year. And she's just now talking about it. So I was kind of uh, listening to her uh, the other day. And um, somebody made this the statement that they had on the shirt about being uh, a feminist, being feminine. And then she was like, I'm not that. And she started talking about that. And no wonder I follow her because I'm, a, I'm a, a whole lot like her in, in some sort of ways. And I think back uh, to how she said she came up in a home with the mother and the father. And the father, he suffered from some mental issues and the mother, she was real uh, feminine, those characteristics and passive. And a lot of people said that her mother should have left the husband because he was abusive. He didn't hit her, but he was abusive in some ways. And I think about me coming up in a single parent household where my mother worked for uh, General Electric and she wasn't doing that. She was cleaning white folks' houses. And so uh, I, I saw a working strong woman. I was the baby in the house. And so I thought about how a lot of times our background shapes us, women in particular, into some of our characteristics and how we deal with things and how we handle things. Um, and I think back how I worked since I've been, what, 14, babysitting earning money. Then I came out of that working for Wendy's. Then I came out of that going to college and didn't finish and went to a trade school. And I came out of that uh, working for the police department. Well, I was grinding survival, single parent. And my mother was grinding survival, single parent with four, four children. We didn't have time to have all of our, our feminine characteristics because we had to wear several hats. We uh, we didn't have time to be that emotional because we had to keep going. We didn't have time to lay down and, and think about it because there had to be food put on that table for our kids. Bills had to be paid. And so just the breakdown in families that was going on. And so then I think about how for the last three years, you know, I went back to school to uh, be a broker and my husband been taking care of me as far as handling the bills. And so that has brought out, cause I'm not accustomed to that. Some of my feminine ways that be nurtured in some way that I hadn't been nurtured. And so it's just something to think about your upbringing and um, what's going on in your life and some of those generational curses that need to be broken. And some of the things that the United States and America put on us in this Egypt also. So my topic today, Easter Keeping It Real, is femininity versus womanhood. So let's talk about that. Womanhood and femininity are two different. However, 
they are in the, they are not independent of each other. Okay, so plain dress up, wearing makeup, uh, and and embracing femininity aren't exactly what makes you a woman, right? We we know that. So let's get the definitions. Femininity meaning are qualities or attributes regarded as appearance and characteristics of a woman or a girl. And here are some characteristics they that they put on there. Gracefulness, gentleness, empathy, humble, sensitivity, weakness. Now these are definitions. Um, delicacy, modest, coy, walking sexy, and speaking beautifully. Let's keep it real. Males can have these qualities, right? That doesn't make you a woman with these qualities because we see some men walk around with those qualities or traits or characteristics that I just said. Now let's look at the uh, meaning of a woman. It is an adult female, a human being. So you are born with a womb or ovaries. You're not born with a womb or ovaries and that uterus, you're not a woman, period. You can have some femininity and some traits to try to be a woman, but you're not one. An individual of the sex which can what? Conceive and bear forth young, okay? And so uh, in Genesis, it says, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She was taken from a man, right? That rib we were made from. But no man has a uterus. He's not a woman. That's the difference. There's a big difference there, right? So some of the traits that they have for a woman is a wife, a partner, an organizer, a director, a, a, recreate, a, a, a distributor, a manager, a disciplinary, and a mother, okay? A recreator, that's, that's what I was trying to say, recreator. So let's go into the Bible. And so what does the Bible say? I just want to give you 1 Corinthians 11 and 11 through 12. 1 Corinthians 11, 11 through 12 says, Nevertheless, neither is a man independent of a woman, nor a woman independent of the man in the Lord. For as a woman came from a man, even so a man also comes through a woman, but all things are from God. So... All things are from God, but there's a distinguish between a male and a female, a woman and someone being uh, femininity. And I can say some of those, a lot of those traits as a, a feminine, I don't have. I might carry them, but I haven't been able to exercise because of me being in Egypt and what society has put on me and what I have become for survival. I have been in survival mode so long, I've lost some of those things. And so sometimes you have to, what, go back and, and, and meditate and pick up some of those things and, and exercise some of those traits. I'm always going to be a woman. I was born with a womb. I have ovaries, a uterus. But my femininity are some of those traits I have to uh, pick up and um go back and look at okay and so I, I i don't know god gave me this this is for someone and so i was just like i said uh some of our upbringing 
some of the things we've gone through, uh, some of the hardships. And, you know, you can't just keep hitting, 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 hitting and pounding and then come to this woman and all of a sudden think she's going to be all this empathy and, and, and have all of, of what these traits that they say be so coy and everything. No, that has to be relearned sometimes. That has to be relearned. And America has done a good job in breaking up our families so that us women, us black women in particular, have lost some of those things. And so you men have to nurture us and be real men and, and, and give us that femininity back that we feel safe again and that we can do those things again and that we can trust and that we can nurture. It's up to you, okay? Uh, Rabbi Afshalon, did you wanna say anything or anyone wanna say anything about what I just said? Um, sure, I can look at it from the male point of view. You know, um, male and female, we're both male and female on the continent of, of Africa, wherever we were shipped from, went through the same uh, ordeal. The men were stripped of their manhood. I mean, totally stripped of it, no power. So that's why men act up oftentimes if, they're, they're, if their family structure has not been uh, strong, where they, you know, where their father, our fathers, grandfathers were able to instill in us what it is to be a man. Because again, when we go to work, we're stripped of our manhood at work. And so they put, you know, you're at the bottom of the pile at work. You talk, you're called all okay, you call boy. When you're a grown man and you've been out fought in the war and you come back, they still calling you a boy. You know, and then you go home to your wife. And if she's a strong woman, generally the women are strong in some cases, uh, it kind of puts him down more until he gets to a point where he's not talking, but he's defensive and he becomes sometimes destructive. In other words, he'll strike his wife because he can't strike the men at work because he'll lose his job. Then he loses that. Then there's a paycheck gone. There's a lot of things behind this that, you know, they're behind the veil. So what I'm saying is, it's not a male or female supporting, you know, lifting up. It's both of us working together, male and female, in the home to lift each other up, right? Be understanding where we've come from, the different places, you know. So um, that's something we really have to think of. We, you know, yes, you have to depend on the man, but the man has to depend on you also. You have to lift each other up. When one is down, the other has to lift the other up. We have to, because we're projecting and we're seeing, you know, society is done this to us, but we can overcome it, right? And and uh, and it's not changed yet. It's even worse now. I've seen people that are attorneys go into the courtroom and the judge just, for the African person, African-American, they just disrespect them in the courtroom and they're attorneys. They've gone through the same school, you know, had to take the same bar exam and they disrespect them. And then shake hands and hug on the other guys, you know? And I'm talking about people that are educated, you know? And I, I've i experienced it on the job with, oh, there was a woman, PhD, sister, and she's working as an assistant to a guy that has a bachelor's degree, barely made a bachelor's degree. How does that make her feel, you know? 
And then I have conversations with her. She say something. I said, you know, you really don't understand it. You don't understand. You're putting down black men. And here you are with a PhD, you know, and I, and I see it on the male side, you know, uh, men doing, I said, man, guy, you have to, you have to see the whole picture. You know, we are people uh, that have to lift each other up. We have to realize that we're in this war together. And this is a psychological thing that has happened to us. It's spiritual and it's psychological. It's physical. And that's why I say when couples have to build fences around their marriage and around it, we have to build fences around our relationships because this society is bent on destroying us as a people, you know, uh, pitting the men against the women and women against the men, uh, you know, they'll, and and it's a it's a, something that we really have to, as a people, uh, come together to combat it. And it's not going to happen overnight. In, in fact, we've been fighting it. Actually, actually, we have been fighting this thing. We haven't been sitting by passively. We have been fighting this thing, and we, you know, we see it uh, in many of the ministries, the ministers standing up, you know, and and teaching and and trying to be an example. We see it, you know. Uh, but it's it's a struggle because it's so prevalent in like I say in the workplace and sometimes even in the churches and in, in the synagogues you know in synagogues I've seen it in the messianic synagogues I've seen it where you know where uh, the men the men in ministry that are you know up in and they'll be overlooked you know or treated differently I'm talking about in synagogues and in churches all right when we go to those mixed congregations where we are not in the leadership, right? And so this is a uh, something we really have to come together on. Yeah, it it it's really deep, and it, and it goes way back. And there was a saying that the only people that's ever been free is is a white man and a black woman. And I used to wonder why people would say that, but when you look at history, you know, the white man in the United States. They always uh, have, have ruled the U.S. in this Egypt. And then secondly, what they did with the black woman was they take our children and they would cut their foot off or beat them or, or kill them and say, listen, if you don't teach your boy to listen to you and to listen to me, this is what I'm going to do to him. So immediately us black women took the head to protect our children from being murdered and killed and, and stripped, even though a lot of times that happened. And so in a lot of black women, we didn't have to fight for our rights. We got on the bandwagon. The white women, after they started seeing those black babies, those biracial babies coming out the barn, they started saying, hey, we're going to go to work. And we got on the bandwagon of the rights to, uh, to vote and to do different things. And so that's where that, that, that saying lies from. It's really deep rooted, the whole thing. Anytime you break down the structure of a family, of having a woman having uh, over two coverings, her husband and God is, is broken down because she starts to wear different hats. And so uh, these are the things we just have to be more cognizant of in trying to uh, adjust and uh, change some of our ways, basically. And so we're not in that fight anymore. Some of, some of us are, some of us aren't in that survival mode. And some of us need to, you know, tone it down a little bit. And so, um, and some of you men, you're not in that mode anymore. You need to take care of your wives and take care of your children and love on them. 
and um, do what you're supposed to do in that household and everybody coming together and doing what we're supposed to do to build our uh, Hebrew families up again and encourage one another. So I just wanted to say that because it, it was really deep rooted with everything. I'm gonna play a quick song um, and then we're gonna go ahead and go into our word. Dan family on the road, so we're gonna play a quick song today. We do not own any rights to the music. You able to hear? Deep in my despair to show you You would never leave me there. You claim me cause I was made for so much. Worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. 
You gotta fight for your peace. Protect it. Your family. Your sanity. Keep fighting. You're worth fighting for. You're worth fighting for. It's worth it. Thank you. the Hallelujah. There's so much more we're fighting for. And we just have to keep fighting. We just have to keep learning. We just have to keep evolving. We have to keep educating ourselves. We have to keep going. Thank you. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to serve you. We thank you for the Sabbath, Lord. We thank you for the rabbi who's about to preach the word. We thank you for the minister, Daniel family right now. We thank you for Sister Lisa, Minister Mike, Minister Griffin, his family, Lord. We thank you for my husband. We ask that you lead us and guide us. We thank you for the listeners right now, Lord, that healing has taken place in their household, Lord, that there's financial breakthroughs in their household, Lord, that the mental diseases that try to overtake us is gone right now, Father God. We thank you for your healing because you're still in the healing business you're still in the blessing business you're still in the mercy business and you're still in the forgiveness business you're still in the opportunity business lord we thank you lord we thank you for not seeing us as the world sees us but as you see us as your 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 good and faithful servants as your children lord as the chosen ones to move forward father god we thank you for seeing our hearts lord we thank you for just giving us a sound 
reprimanded mind, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We lift your name on high as we sit here and we face east, Lord, as we as we give glory on this Sabbath day, Lord, as we lift your name on high, Lord. We give it all to you. We take credit for nothing. We ask that you use us and teach us and mold us, Lord. We ask that you just shape us into what you want us to be, Father, until that day comes, Lord. We ask that you save our families and you save our friends, God. We thank you for the food on the table. We thank you for the roofs over our heads. We thank you for the clothes on our back. We thank you that we're able to see and hear the things that people are. We thank you for that discernment and that divine intervention you continuously give us. We thank you for taking that off of our eyes, that veil that we can now see and hear your voice. We love you. We thank you that you've given us people in our lives to, to bless and to bless us. We thank you, Lord, our Yahshua and our Yahweh. Amen. Our new parashah is going to be, well, the parashah today that Rabbi is going to be teaching on is Deuteronomy 3 through 7 up to the 11th verse. Our new parashah, which you want to study for next week, is Deuteronomy 7 through 11 up through the 25th verse. 7 through 11 up through the 25th verse. We thank you, Rob Shabbos, Rabbi Avshalom, being your call. We love you, and it's now yours. You're on mute. Yeah, okay. All right, we're good. And uh, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. We're here. Uh, we're thankful for being, for the opportunity to be here once again to um, share with you all in our Torah studies. Um, this week's Torah uh, is very interesting. Um, it starts off with Moses. Actually, he's kind of having a, a, a conversation with Avino. Uh, he wants to go into the land and it winds up saying that, look, I don't want to hear this anymore. I've already told you, you know, I'm not going to talk. Let's, it says, we're not going to have this conversation again. That's what the Lord actually tells him. We're not having this again. You're not going. I'll let you see it. That's as far as it goes. But you can go ahead and get Joshua together. Yeah, you sure get together and let him take the people in, but you're not going. Okay. So he goes on and, and Moses uh, gives a, a dialogue or, or I say he begins to speak to the children of Israel. He's accepted the fact that okay, I'm not going in. The younger generation is going in. You know, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have struck that rock. You know, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't allow my ego to get him to, to to take part of. See, Moses allowed his ego to get in. That's why he you know, he got angry with people and he he lashed out at them and he hit that rock. He struck the rock. Okay, um, I'm not gonna get into all the stuff saying the rock was Christ. It was his ego. He let his ego, and oftentimes we allow our egos to get in our way, and it causes us problems. That's one of the biggest issues we have is our ego, uh, as as you know, as men, as women, children of the Most High. And we have to overcome that. Sometimes we get in the, the a lot of the situations we're in could have been alleviated if we had just not allowed our egos to take part. Ego can cause you to fail. Mm -hmm. I let Michael get in the way several a lots of times, you know, and it and um gets me in trouble. I realized that. It took a while 
you know, and, and even now I have to fight that thing when it comes up. You know, when you're in leadership positions and, you know, people don't think that we have egos, but my goodness, we have some terrible egos. Yeah, when you're in ministry, your ego is a big thing, especially, and in leadership positions, we had to really be careful, you know, about that thing, ego. Moses, you know, again, we have to think about Moses. He didn't even get a chance to go. Did all that lead and all those 40 years about, and still he did not get to go in. Counseling the people and, and you know, seeing the miracles and speaking to the Father, and he still didn't make it in. But Moses goes on after that. He said, okay, uh, in chapter four, I'm just going to go, you know, down to chapter four, because in chapter three, again, it ends up in that 26th verse, but the Lord was angry with me, you know, for your sakes, you know, right? that, that lets you know that it's that ego. But in chapter four, you know, he starts to, and, and he starts to remind the children of Israel and he encourages them in the commandments. So in this chapter four, he says, verse four, I mean, chapter four, verse one, it says, now therefore hearken, O Israel, to the statutes and to the judgments, which I teach you to do them. What that statement means is today, even today, if you are a part of Israel, if you have attached yourself to Israel, you are bound by these very same commandments. I am bound. You are bound. No one is exempt. I don't care how who is your teacher, who is your leader. Your leader is still bound by these commandments. Mashiach, Yeshua Mashiach, if you believe Yeshua Mashiach is, is the Mashiach, he is bound by these commandments. He cannot deviate from these commandments. That's important that you know that. We are all bound by these commands. So he goes down and break it. He says, you shall not add to the word which I command you. This is verse two. You shall not add to the word which I command you. Neither shall you diminish from it. He's talking about the commandments now. Talking about the Torah that we're studying, these parashahs that we study every week. He's talking about this. He says that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. This is an eternal covenant. Just like when you look up and you see the, the uh, rainbow in the sky, it's, it's everlasting. Doesn't change. Will not change. Okay, it says, your eyes have seen what the Lord has, Lord did because of Baal Peor. For all the men that follow Baal Peor, the Lord thy God destroyed them from among you. Okay? When you disobey these commandments, if you, once you enter into the contract agreement, the covenant, and you break this covenant, there's a punishment. And you live by outside the covenant. There's a punishment, especially if you say it, if you enter into the agreement with the mikvah or the baptism, and by an expression of your mouth that I accept, it says, let me put it this way, your God is my God. Where you go, I will go. Your people become my people. When you make that declaration, right? You make that declaration. Your God is my God. Where you go, I will go. Your people become my people. And then you take the mikvah, you go, you, what they call today, baptism. 
right? The immersion for the men, and then you 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 get that 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 blood sacrifice, which is the the brit milah circumcision. You've entered into the covenant, the contract agreement. You are bound by it. It is your oath that you have sworn to follow the Father. When you break that, you're responsible for your actions. Okay? He said, but you that did cleave to the Lord your God are alive, every one of you, this day. Okay? He says, I have taught you. So as a child of Israel, as an Israelite, as a Jew, when you come into contract agreement, when you actually, you actually enter into the, 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 the covenant, you are to learn. It is your responsibility to learn the Torah, its commandments, not the customs, not the traditions, but you are to learn the commandments, what they are and, and, and what is prevalent for your time where you're living at the time period that you live. You're responsible to know it and to teach it to as many as you can, okay? You are to teach. He says, I have taught you. That goes to us who are, it is not a badge of honor to become an Israelite or a Jew. It is not a, it is not a badge of honor. It is a responsibility to teach the nations. It is written in the book of Hanukkah or Enoch that he, and in the book of, of uh, Jasher, it says that they taught the everlasting life or eternal life, and they taught righteousness. They taught, Enoch taught, okay? Enoch taught righteousness and eternal life. He taught. He understood his responsibility, and he did it. And he taught and the men, thousands of people, from all, men from all over the world went to him to be taught. And when he left them, they were looking for him. They knew they needed that teaching. That's And they desired that teaching. When you as an Israelite, you as a Jew, began to teach the Torah of Yah, people will desire to hear your teaching because you're teaching them righteousness. You're teaching them eternal life. That is our responsibility and we must live up to it. It says again, verse 5, I have taught you the statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, okay, that you should act accordingly in the land, whether you go to possess it, keep them before, therefore, and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations. That's why I said when you begin to teach them, people will seek you out because they know the wisdom. Because you not only tell them, you know, about sin, but you tell them how to do contracts, how to enter into proper contracts, you know, tells you how to, what to do when you're sick, when there's sickness amongst you, it tells you what to look for in leaderships and tells you how to discern the, the evil and, 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 and the righteous. It teaches that the Torah teaches all these things, all these, and it's separate. That's your sanctification. That is your setting aside. That's how you become sanctified when you know the Torah and you live the Torah and you teach the Torah. That's what sets us apart from the nations. The Torah will reveal your weaknesses and your strengths. That's why it divides, it discerns, 
cuts to the very core, to the very bone and the marrow, because the word will find you so that it may correct you, tikkun, right? It can, can tikkun your neshama or your nefesh, your soul. It can You can make soul corrections, okay? Your nefesh, tikkun nefesh, repair your soul. It is through the Torah, Living the Torah, knowing the Torah, and teaching. You don't just get it to know it. You get it so that you can teach. Okay? Teach others. Not only in word, but in deed. Okay? It's so important. Learn the commandments and the statutes. Right? So, you know, and again, and it's broken down. We have, well, I should say the rabbis have broken it down. And the priests broke it down before the rabbis did. Rabbis took over after the priesthood was gone. The priesthood left because the temple was destroyed. So then they came into rabbinic, the teachers, right? Who were supposed to teach, right? Teach. And there were and and understand this, there were thousands, thousands of rabbis. There were hundreds of academies, hundreds of teachers, and thousands. They were teaching men by the thousands the Torah. This was going on in the first century. After Yeshua was gone, they were teaching. They were recruit. They were all over the, the, the known world teaching the Torah. The people were flocking to the Torah. You see, because we're supposed to go and make disciples, make students. Yeshua gave a commandment. He said, go into the world and make students. He understood the importance of what Moses said. I have taught you what the Lord has taught me. See, I'm teaching you what I've been taught. It goes down. At that, that we had the oral law, we still have it, and then we had the written law, right, the, on the page. Now, I see what I'm teaching today, and what we're, we're we're studying today is just the surface, because I can't go any deeper than the surface. Maybe a little dab down a little bit, but we call it part of it. So the parashat, the first part of parashat, the very the very literal word is what we're studying. This very literal portion of the word that we're studying here on the Shabbat is enough for you to attain eternal life. It is enough for you to be able to walk in the contract agreement. It is enough that you can share with other people. That's one of the reasons why we have the Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, you know. It goes on, you know, and, you, and we should teach them to our children. When we rise up, when we lay down, we should be teaching our children. That tells you, again, it's reinforcing the fact that we are responsible for sharing the Torah. And, it's, and, and the rabbis, I love what they say about this. The rabbis say, it is a shame, it is a sin for two men, and I'm talking about women too now, two children of Torah to get together and not speak of Torah. Anytime we're in conversation, if you're a Torah, we should somehow, some way, get back to Torah. We do a disservice when we do not share the Torah in conversation. Oftentimes, because of the anointing that is on you, you can be anywhere and people will begin the conversation and they will start you into Torah. That is your opening because the anointing on you does that. Right? So the Torah is a entering into contract agreement is a, is our responsibility as Israelites to share the Torah, to share eternal life with everyone we come into contact with. 
and especially to those that are younger than us. That way, when we teach them the Torah, they begin to understand what it means. The commandment says, honor your father and your mother, which is a commandment for long life in the land. They will understand that when they come into contact with an elder, you know, a, a person, and I mean an elder, I mean a person that is older than them in age, not necessarily in wisdom, but in age, we respect everyone that is older than us. You see, I know by experience on the continent of Africa that when the Africans see an elderly, they, they call them mama or papa or uncle or auntie. That's those are terms of respect and, and, and understanding what it says in the Torah. You can actually see it lived on a continent in, in countries. It is lived out. I can say that on the continent of Africa. I can say that by experience. Okay. I can say that because when I grew up in this country, we respected people that were older than us. I can, I can you know, there was a time when we used to stand in the presence of one another. We, we used to stand. You see, and we and we and in some places still taught that you stand. Some of our schools, private schools, our you know our Christian schools, our Christian academies. Uh, you go to Hebrew academies; it's taught, not so much in public schools, but in our private schools. Again, our Christian academies, our Hebrew Hebrew academies. I, I, I uh, you know we call them Hebrew schools in the Jewish community, and and in our school Hebrew schools. We're taught respect for those that are older than you. You see, those that's a part of the commandments. Most of all, you taught at home. You yeah. taught at home and in our communities. Yeah. Whether you lived right. in projects or whether you lived in in the middle class, whatever, mm -hmm. that was yeah. given at home. If you if you have a problem with adult, you come home and let me handle it. You tell me, but you're not to do, disrespect any adults. Mm -hmm. So yeah. It's, it begins at home, right? We were having a conversation earlier. Remember, you had to look, conversate about the men and the women. That's where it starts at home, right? If we want our young, if we want our sons and daughters to know to understand what it is to be a woman or a man, it starts at home. We understand where we came from, but we want them to be better. Each generation to be better, right, than the former uh, generation. So yeah, and that's that's a wonderful that's a wonderful thing. Okay, now let me go down a little bit more. It says. Uh, uh, I wanted to do, let's see, chapter. Okay, first, uh, I'm going to try verse 10. It says, um, I have to kind of figure it out because my Bible doesn't have the version of it. It just has data, but it doesn't show you where it starts. Okay, it says, um, but teach them thy sons and thy daughter. Again, we're still on the teaching, right? Okay. Uh, this is at verse 9, the end of verse 9 says, but teach them thy sons and thy son's sons. Uh, you know, I, I don't like it, when it but it, it's written that way, but it's sons and their son's sons because the responsibility is first on the man. That's that's a part of, of how things, the divine order. By divine order, the male was, you know, was supposed to take the responsibility for, for teaching, leading, providing, and protecting but we understand that it does not diminish the power of the of the woman or the wife because he created the male and female, created he them. 
He gave them both authority. So generally what happens, the father reinforces what the mother said. And that's what I read in 1 Corinthians 11, then 11. That's mm -hmm. what I, I read there. And mine yeah. says, teach them your children and your grandchildren. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that's what Akota Lisa's doing right now. Teaching. The, that's why she's not on right now. She's teaching the grandchildren. Okay. So, um, but anyway, yeah, that's, and that's, it, 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 it leads to a continuity, right? Uh, in the teachings. Okay. Um, it says, uh, it says, um, teach them to your sons and sons the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, gather me the people together and I will make them hear my words. Listen at this. Gather the people together and I will make them hear my words. He says, that they may learn to hear, to, to fear, that they may learn to fear, all right? That means give reverence, by the way, okay? With fear and trembling, all right? It says, um, you know, your parents, we have to have instill such a, a reverence or a respect in our children that when gang members come to them and try to entice them, they have more fear for you than they do of the gang. You hear what I said? Our children should have more fear of you than they do of the street gangs out there because they know that you're going to protect them against the gangs because they're going to come and tell you, I was approached today by such and such, the viceroy, the whatever. And so the parents can be aware and they can protect, begin the thing of protection, right? Sometimes you got to take that sword with you. Sometimes you got to take that stick with you, beat a few heads, get them off your child. You know, I'm not passive when it comes to protecting the family, right? Sometimes I'm a man of war. I have to go to war. I have to be, as I said a couple of weeks ago, you have to be ruthless sometimes to get your point across. You try law enforcement, you you know, but you got to hold them off till they get there, right? But it starts at home. Protection for the children, protection against street gangs and drugs starts at home, right? So we teach them to our children. It says, so that they may they learn to fear right? To fear him. He says, um, me all the days that they shall live upon the earth and uh, the, that they may teach their children. All right? Corinthians again, right? Teach the children. We are to teach the children reverence and fear. Right? We are powers. Male and female, we are powers. Whether you're married or not, you got children, you are a power in that household. You are an authority in the household. You, that authority that you have has been given to you through our Venus Shabbat our Father who is in heaven. Have no fear. Okay? He says, and you came near and stood under the mountain and the mountain burned uh, with fire to the hearth of heaven, for the hearth of heaven, with darkness and clouds and thick darkness. And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the voice, the word, the voice of the words but you saw no form. You didn't see a form. Our father is a consuming fire. He allows us to give descriptions of him, hand and eye and stuff, so that we can have a visual perspective of, of, you know, because we understand that. It's in the natural realm that we need that, but in the heavens, he is a consuming fire. The angels are consuming fire, right? They have no shape nor form. They are spirits. Those 
descriptions that we have are for our, for our purpose on this earth that we live, because that's how we understand it, right? People look up to the left in their eyes because they're looking into a visual representation of what they've learned. They look down to the right because they're thinking about the kinetic or what they've heard. So they look down to the right when they're accessing, accessing information from memory. So they only heard the voice. So they were looking down to the right. If they want to remember what he said, you got to look down to the right. Then you remember what it says. Kinetic, right? So they didn't see a form. They heard the voices. One of the things that the slave trade taught us was to worship the image of a man. You know what I'm saying? One of the things that came out of the slave trade was they taught us to worship the image of a man and call him God. Slave trade taught us that. Beat it into us, our ancestors. Beat it into them bribed them into it so they couldn't even see their wife or, or you know, the, the, they couldn't even get mad until they accepted the fact that they have a, an image that they could see, a man, blonde hair, blue eyes, and they worship that man. Even to today, they still worship that man, that image. But we as Israel, we that have come back in the contract, we understand that you don't see him. Not blonde hair, not blue eyes, not black, no white nor green or purple. There is no image, only the voice. And we hear the voice of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, even to this day. Even to this day. Now you see the rep, you see the repercussions or you see the results of his movements and his actions based upon his word, but you don't see an image. Now he can send his angels at the flame of fire and they can come down and take the form of a person in the earth realm so that you can communicate with them and speak with them. But what you're seeing is a vision, not the real angel. You're seeing a vision so that you can have a, what, look to the upright or up to the left and you can see that image ingrained in your thought processes, right? So you can remember that instance. But our father, you don't see. See, he says, you saw no form, only a voice, you see. And he declared to you his covenant. When we're teaching the Torah, we're teaching the covenant with, with, with which he, he commanded you to perform the 10 words. How many people know the 10 words, the 10 commandments? The 10 words. So right here you have it. The covenant is the 10 commandments. You don't know what the covenant is? You're trying to find out what the co what covenant are they talking about? What are you sure talking about? Covenant? He's talking about the commandments. The commandments, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded to perform, the Ten Words, and he wrote them upon tablets of stone. These, you saw, it's not, is it written in stone? Yes, it is written in stone. The Ten Commandments are written in stone, and the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you the statutes and the judgments, that you might do them in the land to which you go over to possess it. This is important. See, we have to, this is, this is the very, like I said, this is the very surface of what you need to know in order to, 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 to gain eternal life. To gain, to show the, the, the nations the wisdom that our Father has passed on to us through Moshe Rabbeinu, a blessed memory. And it started before him, even in Enoch, in Kenoch. But it was with Moshe Rabbeinu that he wrote it down on stone. And it was actually, you know, he 
after they came out of out of Egypt, they had to write it down for them again because they already had it before then. Now we have it today. But most of us, I mean, with all the technology we have and all the freedoms that we enjoy, many of us don't. And, and all the time we go to church, five, six days, seven days a week and still don't know the Ten Commandments. That's your covenant. You got to know the covenant. It's just like going and buy a house. Most of the people going buy a house don't even look at the contract. They just sign it. Because so many pages, they don't, they don't even sign it. You don't even know what you're signing yourself into. You're signing yourself in a covenant, a contract. So here it is written down in the volume of books. You got, you got, you got five books that are called the Pentateuch. In those five books, the first one gives you a historical and it gives you, again, the principles of how of operation that how, how our nature operates. And then it, it gets into the next four books, breaks down the contract agreement for you. Line up on line and precept on precept. It shows you, the, and then it shows you, then it gives you the, the case studies. When you start getting into the, you know, the judges and Joshua and the judges, and then you get in, in, into the prophets and in the, in the writings, starts to give you case studies of what happens when you obey the commandments and when you don't. And, and the, the wonderful thing about it is, and I'm, I'm doing this for time so we can have a discussion, in the book of Deuteronomy, you see, toward the end, you know, Deuteronomy 28, he starts to break it down, what's going to happen when you obey the commandments. And then it tells you, now, if you, if you disrespect or dis, just do not follow this contract agreement, this is what's going to happen to you. Now, in the first, when you obey, you're going to be the head. That means the nations are going to look up to you and they're going to have to bow to you because you're in obedience to the contract. But if you break the contract agreement and you're going to get evicted out of that, you know, you, you don't pay your, your taxes on your house, even if you paid for it. And you don't, and, and, and that contract say you got as long as you pay the tax on that property, you can stay in it. But when you stop paying the taxes, if you still have a mortgage, you stop paying the mortgage, they evict you because you have broken the contract. Guess what? In the contract agreement, again, it says, so that you can live in the land. He said, if you obey this, you can live in the land. So we're not in the land. That means we broke the contract agreement. Deuteronomy chapter 28 tells us how to remain in the land and what's going to happen when we break the contract agreement, we get kicked out. We're in the United States of America. We're in South America. We're up in Europe. We're all over the world. Why is that? Because we broke the contract agreement. Why did we break the contract agreement? Because we wanted to be like everybody else. We invited Rome in, into our land. We had a family dispute. We allowed them to come in. Once they got in, that's all they needed. We invited them in. Just like we invite sin into our life every day. When we, when we, when we let our egos get in the way, we invite the other side in and it, it breaks us down, right? And we get kicked out, all right? We remain outside the lane. So, this contract agreement is so important. And again, study this thing. Study if, if you know the Ten Commandments, if you know the Ten Commandments and you know how to live by the Ten Commandments, you, you, you've got enough. you got enough. But, but not only did the Father give us that, he showed us how to, to, to allow his spirit that you can't see, the same spirit that was at the mount, that they were there, 
that they heard the voice, that same voice speaks to us today. That same voice, that is called the Spirit of the Most High, the Spirit of God, the Ruach HaKodesh, speaks through us, lives inside of us, has always been there, but we never listened to it, never learned to listen to that still, that voice that speaks to us. And it's because we have turned our backs on the covenant, so we don't hear it anymore. But once we return, you, the good news is, the good news is you can come back to it and then you begin to hear it. It's not that he's changed because he doesn't change. What happens is you change your direction, your trajectory. And once you make your change, then you begin to hear. And you say, oh, the Lord spoke. He's been speaking to you the whole time. You just didn't hear him because you broke the commandment or you broke the covenant. So now you can't hear because the other side is stopping you up. He never changed. He set those laws in, in I said, Bereshit Barah, that's where he set those laws in, in, of, of nature in there. I see a hand, a code, a da the Daniels, I see your hands. Yeah, it was making me think of when you were saying that um, that same spirit, like, you know, the, the scripture that says, if that same spirit that raised Christ or, or Mashiach from the dead dwells in you, you know, it will quicken your mortal body by that same spirit. And I was like, um, it's that because somehow, sometimes this week, that same scripture came to me for some reason. And then when you said that, I, I thought of it again, where it's like, it's that same spirit that dwells in you. It's that same spirit that, that caused Mashiach to do all those great things he did. The same spirit that, that was with Dawid, the same spirit that was with Moshe or Moses and stuff. And so that's all. I just thought of that scripture. So I threw the scripture out there. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, yeah. Excellent. It is the same spirit. He doesn't change, right? Same spirit. When we get, a, you know, an advanced teacher, we said there's only one, right? Without him, there's nothing. We all came to, it's not, you know, there's, you know, so much in in our, in our teachings that we, we understand that we begin to understand that, right? So he he doesn't change. Again, that's why we tell people to go back and get an understanding of the Book of Genesis. Because those principles and those laws that govern the, the creation are still in effect today. And so when we say that, that, that God has stopped talking to us, you know, we have the end of biblical period where they said that, that there was no open prophecies. You ever heard that? That during the end of biblical period, before Yeshua came on earth, that there was no open prophecy? Guess what? The spirit of prophecy was always and never was taken from the earth. The spirit of prophecy was there. But it was because of the rebellion of our forefathers that they could not hear the spirit of prophecy, which is the Holy Spirit. They couldn't. Because, he, again, the laws were established in the book of, of, of Genesis. And if you understand, you know, he separated light from darkness, upper waters from the lower waters. He's showing you how things operate. And so when we are praying, see, this is important that you understand this, so that when you're praying for a change to the Father to make a change, no, you have to change. Once you get up off your knees praying, and all this ties into the covenant, all this ties into the Ten Commandments. Once we get up off of our knees praying, we have to get our egos out of the way. We're praying to get our egos out of the way. We're praying, you know, Father, so I can see. Allow me to see. This is one of the things we do when we meditate is we introspectively go inside and we see ourselves for who we really are. 
because we're measuring ourselves against the word, right? And so we understand that when I'm praying, I need to make a change. So think about this. This thing, if you hadn't thought about it, September's coming up, seventh month is coming up. And the first thing we look for in, the, in that in that month is what? Our new year. Rosh Hashanah, right? Right. You a new year. So we start that at that at that time we start reflecting, self-reflecting. Think about the self-reflecting, introspective, looking at ourselves. Because we, you know, a new year is coming, a new time is coming, a new a new we get a chance to get a new beginning, right? For the I'm talking about as a nation. This is where we're coming together as a nation, understanding who we are, where we are, and 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 this whole yeah. I see your hand. Go ahead. You oh, go ahead and, and finish what you're gonna say. Oh, okay. So so and then you know so it's it's a, it's a wake up call. The new year is coming. Rosh Hashanah. A new year is coming. That means I can just start re self reflecting, getting ready for the Day of Atonement. Right. Once a year, we're to come together. Right for the high priest to atone for our sins, all that as a nation, and we fast on that. That is our fast day, nation, national, as a nation, we do these things. Why is that? Why do we do this? Why is this? It's because we self reflect so we can line up with the word. We get rid of all those uh, promises we made, we, we get rid of all that stuff, cleanse it, we get a fresh start. We taught that, you know, and, and after. Tabernacle, first tabernacle, the eighth day is a fresh beginning. Fresh, that's when it's all over. Fresh beginning, it's starting anew because we've done a self uh, self assessment as a nation. We assessed as a nation. We are coming back. We are changing. He is not changing during that time. Understand that our Father is not changing anything at that time. We are going to make the change. The good thing about us as Israelites is we do it every day. We self-reflect every day. We're supposed to. See? So we can change. Because we know he's not going to change. Circumstances change because the people or the person makes a change. He change. It's like going forward and you look at the sign. You, you pass by, you stop. You say, oh, I got to turn around. What do you have to do? If you're in Houston, Texas, you missed your, you missed your exit, man, you might have to go three, four miles. What that means that the decision was made to change, but it took a while before you can get there. You can start seeing the results. So once you make that U-turn and get back around, now you're starting to see the progress. You're getting back on track. That's how it operates. That's how it operates. See, you got to make that change. You got to get that ego. And most of the time, it's going to be your egos when you self-reflect. Man, I did this. I did this. I need to change this. I need to unbust myself. And then you start flicking. Well, what happened? Well, I broke the commandment somehow. I did something wrong. You know, I didn't recognize it. And oftentimes, when we're mad at other people, this is what I, I see. It's a it's a, a reflection of myself. I'm projecting myself. It's me. I'm seeing myself in the other person all the time. You know that. So, so right by my question, while I have my uh -huh. hand up. Yeah. Uh, and and just to go back to our parish, y'all, Moses 
with with the rock he didn't he didn't he wasn't able to go into the promised land that doesn't mean he didn't go into the heaven it's just the promised land joshua let him in what that was harsh and some people read this and said that was very harsh what our father done and we as parents sometimes we are harsh in uh the way we handle our children because we want them to do right and to be right but moses didn't cuss us cuss the father out he didn't cuss him out he he didn't do that but what do you say to those parents who have taught their children right uh have done what they're supposed to do taught them the ten commandments and then when they put some harsh restrictions on their their children they cuss them out and 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 and, and these kids go astray because a lot of people saying, well, I, I raised my kid the right way. I've done the best I could. What advice do you have for them uh, with these children? Because we know Moses didn't do it. He didn't cuss his father after leading them all in, and, and he didn't argue with them, and he didn't talk back. What, do, what advice do you have for these parents who these kids have opened doors now? We know there's marijuana that's opening doors in their heads. We know there's drugs that's opening doors in their head. We know there's TV and we know there's internet. There's so many things that's opening the doors in our children's head after we have released them after the 18 years of going to the world. What, what advice do you have for these parents? Well, when they're up until the age of 20 years old, they're still, uh, you know, we still have them, uh, as our responsibility once they hit that 20 years old and you've taught them the proper way okay and you've shown them in the scripture and you've shown them that if they disrespect their elders or their parent honor your father and your mother right the the other part of that is that you may live long all right so what happens is if the child remain or the young adult because uh, is obstinate does not repent does not return to the covenant and you know and make amends with the parents their life is shortened their life is shortened their life is aborted and and i strongly believe that and i i know that i'm just asking you a question and i saw that with my sister she died at 21 yeah. and she was very rebellious towards my mother and 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 Custer even fought her and she died at the age of 21. Yeah. And so all we can do as parents once, you know, because we've we're parents their whole life, even though you say 20, it's the whole life we're there for them. All right. we can do is pray for that seed that we uh that we have in them, that we just pray right. for them. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, that's true. I, I remember I had an I have I was blessed. I had the example of my dad. And my grandfather, right? Even my great grandfather, but I did see my father's interaction with his father or my grandfather, and whatever my grandfather said, that was law. Whatever my grandmother said, that was law. Right? He did not disrespect his dad, nor his mother. Never. I never ever saw and, that. And, and I and I think it's a lot about us getting away from our culture, going back to Israel, yeah. going back to Africa. You go to Africa, the father, the living oldest elder is the head of that family. Right. They send you you used to hear adults over here, they say we're sending money home. They have to send their money home back to Africa to help that family. Yeah. 
But here, we are, you know, like I said, we, we're under so much in this Egypt that we've lost our way in so yeah. many ways of honoring things that we should and the importance in our life to, to make us better uh, to yeah. serve him. Yeah, you know, we still do that. Uh, my my cousin, she's the matriarch now. She's 80 years old, right? Everybody, you know, of our generation, she's the matriarch. She reminds me, I call her, she said, you know I'm the matriarch. <laughs> you know I'm the matriarch. I Meaning she's the lead now, right? And then my sister, then my sister, right? She's next to her. Well, she's actually third in line because I have a cousin that's from Israel. He's he's uh, still he's still he's in uh georgia right now but he's older than my sister but they only about a few months so it's a, so it's me and bay brother then yeah i said okay all right <laughs> then you're the baby now you say i'm the baby now I'm the, you know i'm next so i'm way down the line hierarchy but yeah we still practice that you know we still do that uh and then of course with the greater family uh we have the family unit there are others that are you know they're they're not much older you know but they we, we you see that we see that how they honor the elders in the family. Now I'm moving into eldership, right? In the family, because at 70 and I'm, I'm in the elders, but you know, um, yeah, we still do that. Mm -hmm. we, we still and, do honor. And, and, the, and the, that song that I play worth fighting for. Yeah. You're going to have to keep fighting for your children, no matter yeah. how stray they go and no matter what drugs they own or what is going on, we're going to just have to keep praying for them. We're gonna to have to keep fighting for them until we, yeah. we part. That's that's all we can really do is keep yeah. praying and fighting um, for our families. Right, and, and that's and that's what we do. If we teach them, and then we advise, right? Because once they get to the age, we advise. Uh, it is up to them to accept the advice. If they, it's up, they come in and ask for advice, but we advise. Um, I would say I would not demand anything, but I would always advise. And then you do what you're going to do because you understand the consequences of your actions. And I've seen it play out. Yeah, many times I've seen it play out, you know, where they just don't, they don't last. They don't live because, and you look at it and you say, ooh, you can, you know, you, you, you recognize what it is. And the scripture is not broken. Right. Now you say, well, well, this joke was a, 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 you know, he was, he was always cussing out mother, but, but somewhere along the line, that person, he may have repented. See, he may have been the, one of the worst children that were disrespecting drugs and alcohol, gang banging. But in, when he really came to a point in his life because of the mercy, that's where mercy and grace comes in. Right. And they repent. Right. And, and, and so they, and then they live a long life. Or their life is pro prolonged, right? Because sometimes the drugs and alcohol would destroy their bodies to a point where they, they just cut their life short. Even though they repent, the, the damage is already done. The good thing is that they may be able to, to leave without much stress on themselves and the family. Bad part is because of their lifestyle and the rebelliousness that causes Shorten their life. Okay, I, I see another hand. Uh, Daniels? When you were saying that latter part, I was wondering, is there a clause of some some sort for when, because I've I've seen certain things too with the person out of parents and stuff like that, but I'm, I was thinking of a particular incident growing up and it was like the parent themselves, the reason why they had become that type of child who's cursing out the parent and blah, 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 is because that was the kind of parent, the, 
the parent was like going around cursing out and and, and acting up and so that so that's just like is there a clause for that situation where like the reason why that that child until they do learn better and repent of their ways is behaving that way is because it's alert trait yeah but the anointing could destroy that right right you have two children right. in the same household right, right. same just, parents right yeah. And and one yeah and one submits to the word or gets the word somehow, mm -hmm. right? Right. And and changes. So yeah, but right. And, and the scripture actually makes that plain. It's, it tells us if a righteous man in his younger days is righteous, but in his older days he becomes unrighteous, then it's unrighteousness. It's accounted for. And then an unrighteous one in his in his days he becomes righteous, and then it says what. The children, uh, the children's teeth are set on edge, uh, and something like that, right? And they're eating sour. The parents have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, the children are now responsible for their own actions, but they have to be given. That's why, in our teaching in Hebraics, we're all responsible for the each. We are our brother's keeper. I put it that way. So even though I may not be your relative, but I understand that you're in our community, and even if you're not in our community, if I see you doing wrong or going astray, it is my responsibility. Again, being an Israelite, being a Jew is a responsibility to your fellow men. In the tikkun, um, tikkun, uh, uh, and I, I, I understand what Minister Daniels, what she's talking about, but yeah. what's the, what's the boundary? of okay you see your your parent fighting or or cussing and you right. come up in that atmosphere but does that mean you're gonna cuss and fight them what is the boundary what's what's the line you know right. what i mean right. even, right. If, you see, even, even if you see that even if you of see course. that behavior you don't cross a line you know, common yeah. sense that you don't cross a line and do that to your parents the reason I was asking that was because it, it seems the same thing that you were saying, Rabbi, and you guys brought up where there's sometimes where you see some people and it's like, oh my goodness, the way they're acting towards their parents, yet their life is not cut short. And But what you do see, there's other things in the situation. It's not just them doing that, you know, just because they were, that was kind of how they were raised and reared to become that and stuff. And so it's like, is he having mercy on them because of what he's seeing going on in the household? Yeah, that was that was kind of where I was going with that. Is there a clause and, and mercy or grace for those situations? In the scripture, you know, they would they would kill those children if they're rebellious. Yeah. They would they would, you know, they wipe them out. But, mm -hmm. but what happens again in, in this time in our law, and by the way, that law is still on the books mm -hmm. in Israel. In Israel, we're not in Israel, but in Israel, okay. that law is it's still on the book. As Marvin, as Marvin Gaye is still in, in around here somewhat too. But go ahead. Yeah, and so well, again, when the child, and when they tell a child, you know, um, it could be a, a, a either teen, usually as a teenager, right? And then, and then until they get married, they're still children in the eyes scripturally. At Forty years old, they still call them a child sometimes. Mm -hmm. right? um, but at the age of accountability, that person has the opportunity, and, and again, after having been taught the Torah. See, in some of those places, the people are not taught Torah. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. I think that answer that puts an answer to that that part. That was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They 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 weren't taught unless they had taught Torah, then they become responsible, right? right. Yeah. So um, the thing is, is as an Israelite, as a Jew, it's our responsibility to make sure that they do know by teaching. That's our responsibility. Their responsibility is to hear, to Shema, yeah. hear, and obey it, to do it. If they rebel against it, then it's out of your hand. Because mm -hmm. you can pray, mm -hmm. but the action has to be on their side. Mm -hmm. You can We can pray that the Father will soften their heart so they can hear it, grant them a portion of the Torah so they can have a hearing ear. That's what we do generally as elders and as parents. And, you know, as uh, we have children that are not really our children that we watch over and people we watch over, we pray for them every day that they, 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 they receive a portion of the Torah, you know, give so they have mercy in their life and they can, you know, have a prolonged life, a, a good life, you know. You know There's going to be challenges. But we overcome the challenges, right? We we overcome challenges, and and uh, we start self-reflecting and making changes, adjustments in our life. So again, we're repairing our souls. Tikkun uh, nefesh, we're repairing our souls through the Torah, not through doctrines of men, but through the Torah, not through religion, but through the Torah. Torah is not a religion. Ours is not a religion, right? is a contract agreement for a body of government or a body of people to be governed by the laws of heaven. These are the laws of heaven. The Torah was in, enacted in the, in the heavens before the earth was created. So we are bound by the laws of heaven and we act them out in the earth. So we reveal the kingdom of heaven in the earth through us. It is revealed through us. And it is important for us, this, this chapter 5 in Deuteronomy that we're in, chapter 5 is the Ten Commandments. Chapter 5 in Deuteronomy. The next chapter after this one is the Ten Commandments. If you don't know that, for anybody listening, you didn't know that. Chapter 5 is the Ten Commandments. Those we should know, we should, instead of, you know, we teach our children the 23rd number of songs, you know, at Easter time, 23rd number of songs, when you get up and say, Yo, say your Bible verse, we should have all saying Ten Commandments. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it used to say Ten Commandments in the temple, right? Mm -hmm. But we're supposed to say the Ten Commandments every day. We're supposed to say it every day. Minute to memory. Doesn't have to be word by word, but you can have the, you know, like the abridged version, like we have the, the Lord's Prayer, the, uh, the abridged version of the, the 18 uh, benedictions that we do, the standing Amidah, we do the Lord's Prayer. You've covered the 18 benedictions in the Lord's Prayer. Same thing with the Ten Commandments, you know, we can do it every day. So, you, it, so it becomes a part of your, your psyche, it becomes a part of you, and it's in your subconscious thinking. So that when you're going to do wrong, the Holy Spirit can bring that back to remembrance. Everything that you've been taught. See. We'll have to start applying that. I think like with, with my parents, it was 
although they did make us learn them, of course, because they made us study the scriptures and memorize certain texts. But I mm-hmm. think more or less their approach for making us remember the Ten Commandments was when you acted outside of one of them, they would let you know. Yeah, <laughs> like right. if we're not not honoring, you know, one of them. They'd be like, honor your. <laughs> they would start quoting the commandment. You're not following. And you're yeah. like, oh, here yeah. we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with that right that, that's uh, a good thing but the world see, 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 yeah yeah now now see in our community that's a merit but yeah. in the world system yeah see, they talk down about it mm-hmm. but in our community israelite and jewish community right islamic community it's a merit to teach the commandments it's a merit, but it's when you get into those that and in the world that that say you don't need the commandments or you don't you know that's how those you know they and you you hear, you hear them on the news, you know how they and how they you know kind of try to make us feel bad, but we don't care what they think. You know we don't care what they think. We don't care what they say. We don't care. They don't have no power against us. They better hope we don't pray against them. Release the you know the powers of heaven against them. If they come after us, we, we, we pray, you know, if we pray, we have to be careful when we pray because we bring down the kingdom on them, on some heads, heads will roll. People don't understand the power that we have. We don't even understand the power that we have. You know, you better study Moses. You better study them prophets. Find out what, the, you know, if I be a man of God, let, you know, let the earth go, man, and here it come. That's the power that we have. When we operate in the covenant, as for me and my house, we shall serve you. That's right. That's yeah, right. But I, I was thinking from the word voice mentioned earlier. I was one of those people who thought the uh, the response to Moses was was stern. It seemed extremely stern. I mean, I understood in terms of what he had done, and you mentioned the the fact that I felt like he was almost getting back at them saying that for you is because of you I'm not allowed to go in but at the same time I was thinking as much as he was pleading prior to that he only pleaded for the nation and it seemed like the one time he pleaded on his behalf like this was something he really wanted yeah. and, and so I, 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 I struggle with this one a little because <laughs> he really wanted <laughs> yeah. this yeah. Yeah. and, and but, he wasn't permitted right yeah but yeah he was always interceding for Israel. Remember, they were going to be Correct. wiped out. Mm-hmm. That's right, so many times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, he let his ego get in the way when he, you know, hit that rock. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was ego. Yeah. He's showing the importance of keeping your ego in check. Think about yeah. this, what Yeshua did. Do you, mm-hmm. now think about it. He spoke to them and they fell down like they were dead. Mm-hmm. People don't give much thought to that, but you know, that was a powerful word. That was like ego. He had to put it in check. Yeah. He put himself in check. It wasn't a sin, mm-hmm. but he just spoke with too much power. He released too much of his power and they couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. See, that's what Moses did. He he just, you know, but he did it physically because he was operating in the earth realm. He came out of the heavenly realm, operating in the earth realm, and he struck when he should have spoken. Ego. Yeah. It shows the responsibility we're required to have for the though. To whom much is given, much is required. 
that yeah. responsibility we're supposed to have for the gifts or the power he hands to us. A lot of times people are asking for the power mm-hmm. of God to be manifested in their lives and they don't realize what great responsibility comes with that. You know, it's not just, you know, power so I can show off and do things. That's exactly when you start, you know, displeasing yeah. him. When yeah. you start taking that power he's given unto you, that anointing that he's given or that gift, and you yeah. start misusing it or misappropriating it. You know, too, I was thinking there seemed to be a greater responsibility with leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and so maybe that was even the, the reason for the severity mm-hmm. of Yah's chastisement. Yeah. Because with leadership comes greater responsibility. Yeah. And oh, if yeah. you misuse that that um leadership, they, they, they have to, you, it, it has such a, a, a ripple effect on others mm-hmm. that as a leader, you really have to be more cautious in making sure that you are always in line with, with Yah's mm-hmm. leading. Because it's so easy, like you said, to go into ego and and, and more self. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like we were mentioning previously in terms of the um, feminism and the womanhood, mm-hmm. that you may have people who are counseling, I believe, and then find themselves in a compromising situation. Mm-hmm. But th- there's a responsibility that you have to keep mind of that you don't get yourself caught in that because there will be consequences. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting to really think about Yaz saying to Moses, enough. Yeah. Don't yeah. talk about it. <laughs> so it's yeah. starting to make sense. You have leadership comes with, with greater responsibility. That's and I was right. thinking yeah. of the moment, the instance, because I you, like where he was just having a moment with Yah and comes down from the mountain and then ends up doing this egotistical thing. Mm-hmm. And I was I, I think I had given the example like a while back about how one time I was like worshiping in, in the choir that I used to be in. It was a mass choir, like known choir. And I was worshiping and I was feeling the presence of Yah. And in a moment, I had a thought that was very, that was ego and stuff. I had a thought and it was the Ruach pointed it out or else I wouldn't have caught it. And I was like, wow, Yah, you mean in that moment where I was like all in your presence and stuff, I had this moment like this. And then it just mm-hmm. made me really go, whoa like i had i guess a yeshiyahu woe is me for even i am undone kind of thing and Mm -hmm. i'm a a woman of unclean lips i was like that is really crazy like how like in the people would look and they would never know because it was in a moment it came and it went but you know but the ruach saw fit to point it out and say you that right there correct that (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and stuff it was like i guess maybe thinking of the the gift rather than the thing whilst i was just you know in his presence and so we all of us have to, I guess, what is that thing where it says, I'm setting aside every weight that so easily beset you. And it's like, it's literally like we're given a mandate to cover and to protect so that we don't end up in that way where we put fences around mm-hmm. what Yah has given us so that we don't end up going astray. You know, I'm yeah. starting to appreciate the fences, especially with that instance. It was just so shocking to me when he showed me myself. <laughs> and, and that's and that's why we have to like stay in our lanes because like I'm the host. And so I learned a lot from you all. And I don't get on here trying to act like I'm, I'm delivering the word. That's the rabbi's lane. And I don't get on here, act like I can sing. That, that's your, your, your lane. And so I'm, I'm learning. That's why people got to be careful because those spirits can, can um, transform or transfer to somebody else. And that's why when you know you're not at that rank and at that level, you need to go somewhere and sit down and stay in your lane and learn and and, and and evolve and revolve into where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And so, and um, I just want, wanted to say that, you know, 
um, just get in your lane where you're supposed to be. And because the rabbi, that's that's a high calling. And you, you better know what you're doing when you put that that robe on and you call yourself the, the rabbi or the priest or the bishop or all these people who's putting these titles on them. You better know what robe you putting on or go somewhere and have a seat. Yeah. Because you're you have sheep under you. You are the shepherd. And so I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Yeah, don't be out there fleecing the sheep. And we're warned against that, right? We are warned against that. Be not many teachers, you know, to you know, because you're yeah. gonna be have the greatest condemnation and to you know too yeah. much is given, much is you know required. And all those are warnings, right? Mm -hmm. They are all warnings. Not you know, it's an honor to to be able to and and by the way, again, I must remind you. If you're an Israelite, if you're a Jew, right? Just because you're not standing in the front in a pulpit or in a beamer doesn't mean you're not a teacher because we are responsible as a nation, as a priest to the Most High, right? To teach up to the level that we're able. Right. And so that's why I just do my little field where I call myself a field worker. I work right. in the field. I encourage people. I tell them, listen and get on here. But I still have a lot to learn. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. And yeah, because you know a lot. You may not understand how much you really know until you start talking to other people that really, you know, really don't have a clue. And you're mm -hmm. a scholar. Mm -hmm. Depending on your audience. You can be a scholar, you know, and all you know is Jesus will. <laughs> so with that, that weeping, <laughs> how far can you take that, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I can relate to that because like even the, the smallest of the small will know that one. <laughs> That's right, like, yeah. quote a like Jesus went <laughs> yeah. when we were growing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to welcome um, my friend, um, Akot Maritza, to the um, thing. I was actually thinking of her when you're talking about, you know, as, as Israelites, we're teachers and stuff, no matter what thing we're in, because like some of our discussions, we really are like teaching each other, like yeah. when we're, you know, yeah. yeah, the conversations we have. And it's like, it's nothing where you're getting on a pulpit or anything like that, but we just start talking about things we've been learning. And it's like in that sharing, we end up teaching one another. Yeah. But welcome also. Yes, welcome. Thank you all. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Glad you came or joined. We are honored. We are yeah. honored. We are. Yes, you can feel free to raise your hand or just unmic yourself and ask questions. We welcome everyone. You just send me your email address and you'll get an invitation every week. You, you can watch it later on because I post it, but when you can get on, we ask that you get on and join us. Yeah, yeah. I just thought of her. I was like, this is what we do all the time. Let's do it with more people. Come join me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just kept, she kept coming to my mind. So it's like, finally, I asked her the question. So mm -hmm. I'm glad to, to have you. We're glad to see you this Shabbat and for joining. So we're going to have, we're going to have Rabbi uh, do a summary of our uh, parashah and ask if anyone have any questions before we wrap it up. And then we're going to ask the, uh, Daniel's family to close us in prayer, please.
Okay, this is very easy, right? This is very yeah. easy because the first thing we want to do is remember we all have an ego, mm -hmm. right? When you when you're in situations, uh, you know, is there an adversary? Check yourself. You know, when you're going into that that meeting or something, check yourself. Check your ego. Because in that ego, you can say things because we have so much power that we can actually cause a lot of damage, ego. And then after that, remember that we are bound by a contract agreement or a covenant. And that covenant is written out in stone. They call it the 10 words or the 10 commandments. And we learn the 10 commandments and we live the 10 commandments. And then we are responsible to teach the commandments. To, uh, first to our, you know, we learn it, teach it to our family, to our children, our children's children, our community. We share it with the community, as many as will welcome it. And I, because the people are going to inquire, because just because of the way that you are, the anointing that is on you, because you study and you live the Torah, it brings about or it releases the anointing in your life. People want to know how to get into the Holy Spirit. Live the Torah. Live what it says in the scripture. The anointing will manifest in your life just because you're studying it with your heart. And then you are you are sharing what you've learned. Right? That's what caused the anointing to, to flourish in your life. They call it the Shekinah or the glory. Right? Kavod or the Shekinah. The anointing explodes in your life. Reaches out and touches other lives. That's who we are as a people, as a children of the Most High. We are his children. We carry his anointing, right? Everything that happens in us and through us is because of him, because of him. If it were not for him, we would not have his son. Think about that. Without the father, there's no son, right? We are in him, he is in the father, and we are one. We are anointed. That's it for me. Thank you so much. And we have any questions? I think I'm good today. I've interjected so many times. We thank you for that food, Rabbi. If we can go into our closing prayer, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we bless and glorify your holy name. Thank you for this rest once again that you have provided us. And um, we want to just give you all praise, all honor, and thank you uh, that we are constantly under subjection here. I pray that everyone watching and listening this will know that you are your and you are one, and you have instructed us to follow your words. Rabbi recommended Deuteronomy 5, that we study those words, lead those words. And so we encourage you to lean on Torah, come back home, for Yah is waiting. His arms are wide open. You don't need to do this alone. You don't need to travel alone. He's got you. And so, Father, we pray to each and every person that's out there listening and watching, that they know that they are not alone. There's family waiting, and they are welcome to join. They are welcome. They are welcome. But you have called us to teach and to lead and guide each other. We are family. We are one. And so we give you all praise. Before we leave, we'd like to put a blessing upon you as well. It goes like this. Ivareka Yahuwah, Waishmareka, 
His face to shine upon you and be gracious towards you. And may Yahuwah lift up his countenance towards you and may give you peace. We pray that you were blessed and that. The next six days are going to be a joyful six days. So we look forward once again for our Sabbath breath. And so may you be blessed in Yah's holy name. Amen and amen. 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 We thank you, Daniel's family, the ministers for the beautiful prayer. We thank you, Rabbi Absalom. We thank you all for tuning in. One thing that sits in my spirit with the rabbi says, we're not a religion. It's not a religion. It's a contract agreement. It's a contract amen. agreement. And what it what is the contract? The Ten Commandments. And as we were sitting here, I, I I wrote them down on a piece of paper. So sometimes we have to brush up our memory. And you don't look; you just write them down on a piece of paper. I challenge you to to write the Ten Commandments down on a piece of paper. And if you don't get them all, you know we all had that plaque. We grew up with the Ten Commandments. I'm looking at it in my dining room right now. Put it closer to you so you can see it on it daily, so it can marinate in your spirit. And he said, if you can do that. You, you're doing good. You're, on the, you're in the right direction. We love you. We thank you for tuning in. We look forward uh, every Saturday to seeing you. We ask that you share our episode, and we ask that you have a wonderful week. This we ask in our Yahshua Yahweh name. Amen. Shalom. 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 Shalom.